G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. What is at the heart of all wickedness? What is the driving force behind all the injustice and evil in our world? Today with Jeff Vines. Hi there and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We're continuing Pastor Jeff's message from 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Pastor Jeff is getting us to think about how we move away from darkness. And again, before we listen to the rest of this message, a warning that there's some dark themes that may not be suitable for young listeners. Let's hear the rest of this message now on Today with Jeff Vines. The Bible teaches there's an invisible world that greatly impacts the visible world. Now, here's the crux of the matter, and this is where it's very important as we talk about moving away from something and moving towards something else. The reality is the Bible says that the same voices that spoke to those who committed the Rwandan genocide, the same voices that spoke to SS men, the same voice that spoke to Hitler, to slave traders, to those who are involved in sex trafficking, the same voice speaks to you every single day. The same unseen world that pursues and, and captures everything that is opposed to God is the same unseen world and has the same unseen leader that is after that pursues you. And without intentionality, on your part to step out of the flow of the world, you will live in such a way that leads to death and disintegration as opposed to life and vitality. Are you with me? And this is what most believers forget. We have to choose every single day to overcome. The power's there, the presence is there. And the reason we have to choose every day to overcome is because the Spirit of God now living inside you is incarcerated in the flesh. Do you understand that? The essential you has limitations. It is incarcerated in the flesh. That's why Paul says, stay with me now in Romans 6, verse 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's, that's the word for flesh. So that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself, every part of your flesh as an instrument of righteousness. What's he saying? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You want to do the good, 
but the flesh does not. Think for a moment, what is at the heart of all wickedness? What is the driving force behind all the injustice and evil in our world? Is it not power? Is it not wealth? Is it not feeling? And are those things not associated with the flesh? First John 2 says, for everything, this is earlier in First John, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes from the world or the cosmocrator, the world ruler. The problem in our world stems from the lust of our flesh, the pride of life, of wanting more and doing what we have to do to get it at the cost of everyone else. Why is the love of money the root of all evil? Because it desacralizes people. You're willing to use people as a means to your end. The Word of God teaches that we have become in this world system Again, it's by default. It's not like we all meet around together and say, we wanna, be, we wanna be children of the evil one or the wickedness. By default, the world system in which we live that's been tainted by sin, by default, if you're not intentional of stepping outside of it, then you're going with it. And the father of the system in which we live, let me show you the way the Bible describes him. If we're children of that father, Here's how the Bible describes him in Isaiah 14. So this is a, a short text. It's a, this is worthy of an entire sermon, but just for our purposes here, this is the way the Old Testament describes what happened to Satan. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. In other words, he wants equal recognition. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars are a reference to angels. He doesn't want to be equal with the angels. He wants to be above them. I will also sit on the Mount of Congregation. The Mount of Congregation, this is, where, this is the place where only God himself is established. So he says, I want to I take the place of God. I want God's authority. I want God's rule. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. The clouds indicate the glory of God. He says, I want the glory of God and beyond. And I will be like the most high. In other words, I will replace God and I will take over his throne. The mission of the Father who is over the system of this world is to dethrone God. So there are three quick questions. Stay with me. One, do you have difficult time giving God glory for the good things in your life? See, everybody that's in the flow of the evil one says or attributes all successes to themselves their cleverness, their wisdom, their knowledge, their talent, their ability that they think is self-given. That is what the Bible calls ascending into heaven. Second, does your life constantly point to yourself or to God? Is your desire that people have a high view of you or a high view of God? If it's a high view of you, then you're exalting your throne above the stars. Do you submit, and this is a big one, do you submit to the authority of God over your life? This is the telltale sign. Are you determining what is right and wrong for you subjectively without believing in an objective word of God that gives you those categories? Then you're sitting in God's seat. You're claiming your own authority over your own life. The devil's children, those who have never stepped out of his system, walk in his steps by default because it's the world in which we live. They don't intentionally meet together and praise the evil one, but they're part of a system significantly tainted. Vigorously denied, empirically verifiable. Do you, know, do you know what the definition of a cult is? A cult is a system or veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. 
a misplaced and excessive admiration for a particular thing. Folks, this entire world system is a cult. (laughs) It's fixated on material and excessive admiration of it. Such a misplaced admiration for sex, money, and power that ultimately destroys humanity. This is the way you operate and think if you're children of the wicked one. You may not be intentional, but this is the way you live by default because you are governed by a world system and you've never stepped out of the flow. Now, please, let me finish this. Please listen. Even if you're struggling with what I've said, it's still worth hearing. The world system, which you know down deep is corrupt, is overseen, the Bible says, by a cosmic creator. This is what Jesus taught. This is what we're taught in 1 John 5. The world ruler delights in our desires of the flesh because he knows that's the place where he can enter in. This has two applications and then I'll make the final application. I'll be finished. First of all, for the unbeliever, because the flesh is so powerful, it gives you an incredible ability to rationalize because it is about self-preservation. So you might hear somebody say, I don't think God is knowable. How convenient for you. If God is not knowable, then you can live any way you want and you can fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's because you're part of a world system that wants to do exactly that above and beyond everything else. Can you not just be honest about that? Somebody might say, I don't think anyone really knows right and wrong. Well, how convenient for you. If no one knows, then you can determine what is right and wrong for you. You've ascended the throne of God. Can you just be honest about that? I think all religions are the same. Well, how convenient for you. That means you don't have to choose one. I will make God in my own image. I think God should be like this or God should be like that. Now you become the God of God. And there's no real pursuit of God, just a rationalization of what God ought to be like if you did believe he existed. But in reality, you've established your throne. You're a child of your father. You've become irrational. Someone might say, I don't think God is knowable. Think about that. I don't think God is knowable, so we might as well not. Wow, you just created a God that is so weak, he's not able to reveal himself to lesser intellects. Well, there's no absolute right or wrong. Wow, you just used an absolute to deny an absolute. You become irrational because the flesh is powerful and it wants what it wants. And its rationality is on steroids. But for the believer, the rationalizing is still there. It's just different, but it still comes from the invisible world. I think it's okay to sleep with somebody I'm not married to. Well, how convenient for you. I think it doesn't matter who you sleep with as long as you love them. You're ascending the throne of God. You're determining what is right, what is wrong. Sure, I'm a glutton, but there are worse sins, you know. Yes, I know I'm not generous, but at least I'm not a murderer. Yeah, I know I drink too much, but there are far worse sins. Yes, I know I have this sin in my life, but I'm good in so many other places. Where do you think that comes from? The flesh will rationalize. Why are you telling me this, Pastor Jeff? Because it's possible that right now you're believing something that you really think is right because you've convinced yourself so that you can continue to meet the desires of the flesh. You say, okay, Pastor Jeff, all right, but I'm forgiven of that. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm saved by grace through faith, right? There's another problem. Do you know what the problem is? The flesh gathers momentum. 
In Romans chapter one, Charles Spurgeon told us years ago, one of the greatest sermons ever preached, that there is a progression that the greatest theological treatise ever written by the Apostle Paul describes when a culture is on its way out, when it's about to face its ultimate destruction. Now, I don't have the time to give you the history examples that he gives, but I can read the passage. Romans 1, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, notice the pattern. The first thing that happens in a society is you stop seeking God. You don't step out of the flow. Fewer and fewer people are stepping out of the flow and living according to the pattern of their spiritual father, the creator of all things. The second thing that happens is your thinking becomes futile. You become irrational because you state and make statements that are consistent with fulfilling the desires of your flesh. Third, then your hearts become darkened. Now you can't even see the difference between light and darkness. Four, when that happens, the flesh is out of control now. Five, you degrade your bodies with one another. And six, if that's not enough, the natural order of things is now violated. You say, what does that have to do with you and me? You better check yourself constantly over and against the word of God. Why? Because your flesh is on steroids when it comes to rationalizing your behavior. And if you're not careful, you will start a process that builds one upon the other till the flesh will gain enough momentum where you will not be able to even see the difference between light and darkness. That's why John Piper said, if you're not killing sin, sin is killing you. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach to yourself, question yourself. The essence of this matter is to understand that this self of ours, this other man within us has gotta be handled. Do not listen to him. Turn on him. Speak to him. Condemn him. Upbraid him exhort him, encourage him, remind him of what you know instead of placidly listening to him and allowing him to drag you down and depress you. What a great statement. You have to take yourself in hand. You got to take yourself by the collar and drag yourself to objective truth in order to defeat the flesh, in order to stop the momentum. This year has been a difficult year in many ways, well, last year, but it continues on, not only because of COVID, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but we lost the influence of some amazing men and women of God because of their falling. I don't know if you've heard 
people have been asking me for a long time and I've resisted until I had more information. But my mentor, someone who that I love and respect so much, Dr. Ravi Zacharias, who had such great influence on my life, it has now come out and now we can, we can state with certainty that he's been involved in some pretty significant sexually immoral acts for over the last 17 years. When I first heard that, I was sick. How could this happen? How could someone who had such a great understanding of God, the universe, that God gave such ability to communicate the gospel among the educated, among the intelligentsia, who made perhaps the greatest strides made in our generation of helping people far from God come near through both the intellect and through the heart and emotion. But after a while, I just began to realize, number one, my ultimate faith and trust is in no man. It's only in God. And I'm disappointed. But at the same time, it's a reminder that every single one of us, every single one of us stands on the precipice Every day we have decisions to make and every day that we make the wrong one, the flesh builds momentum until we get to a point where we can't distinguish between light and darkness. Bill Hybels, the same kind of scenario two years ago, another man that had great impact and influence on all church planters. And then I look around today and can I just tell you, before you ever listen to anyone, before you ever take discipleship from anyone, can I ask you to look for this one primary characteristic? And if you don't find it, run. Humility. Humility. I don't know why our culture is so enamored with someone who can stand up and make the crowd laugh and hold an audience by jokes and by humor and by power, almost by arrogance. I've heard stories of where some pastors will actually do bench presses behind the stage before they walk out so they'll look pumped up. Really? Really? Carl Lentz, the Hillsong pastor out in New York City. I read now since he's out of ministry, he's trying to break into Hollywood. Really? You say we shouldn't shoot our own wounded, but it, don't you have the right as a, as a Christ follower to expect your leaders to have some kind of moral decency? Don't you have the right to expect some kind of holiness? The Bible says that we who are doing this face double judgment, double honor, yes, but double judgment. We will be judged more strictly because of the influence that we have. I could go on and on with this, but I need to end. How do we move away from spiritual darkness? And I got like two minutes, so you got to stick with me here. How do we move away then? How do we stop the momentum? How do we move away from evil? How do we move away from spiritual darkness? Number one to the unbeliever, I will tell you, yes, this world is controlled by an evil, wicked system. But Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. You can be part of a kingdom that is forever, where the presence of God is experienced in full and wickedness and evil ultimately defeated. 
foreshadowed on the cross of Jesus Christ where evil seemed to have won the day, but in ultimate reality, God was doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And if you're still in the flow, step out of it, respond to God, say you're sorry, verbalize your trust, pledge your past. Step out of the flow before it's too late. And then for the believer, you've got to saturate your mind with the word every single day. You're just not strong enough. The flow is too powerful. The flesh wants what it wants. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Every single day, you have to saturate your mind with the word of God. Second, talk to the spirit. Ask the spirit of God every day. What is in my life right now that should not be? What do I believe about my life that is not consistent with what is real? In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, the children of Israel were told to meditate on the word of God day and night, to talk about him in the morning and the afternoon before they lie down at night and to paste them on their forehead and wrist to symbolize a governance of what they think and what they do. Talk to the spirit, ask the spirit, and then listen and then obey. In heaven's name, obey. And then accountability. You must be accountable to someone. Someone must ask you the difficult questions of your life every day so that when you start thinking very poorly that's consistent with fulfilling the desires of the flesh, you'll have somebody come alongside you and say, hold it, stop, wait. Did Ravi have someone like that in his life? Did Carl Lentz, did Bill Hybels? I don't know, but if they didn't, you're just asking for it. In fact, this whole thing has made me reconsider things about my own life because if it can happen to them, can it not happen to Pastor Jeff? Absolutely. I made a decision that I need device protection. I need somebody to see everything that I read and look at on every device. Evidently, that seems to be the starting point for sexual immorality and its fall among pastors. I need somebody governing and watching constantly what I see, what I read. Pastor Jeff, are you afraid that you're gonna fall? Absolutely. The more successful we are, the more target will be on our backs. I don't want to be another casualty because of a lack of word, a lack of spirit, and a lack of accountability. And finally, draw near to God in worship. Worship does something where God is able to penetrate both the flesh and the spirit and open your eyes to spiritual realities. You know how serious this is? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, and I close with this, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That's called discipline. That's called the word, the spirit, accountability, and worship. They go into training. They, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, the flesh, and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Word, spirit, accountability, and worship. And if you're serious about attaining the goal and the prize, 
This is how you run away from evil and into that which is good. Well, there's been plenty for us to think about in that message about how we can move away from darkness and evil. Thanks for joining us here on Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll have a new message and a whole new series from Pastor Jeff. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.